श्री गोरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए हरिनाम प्रभु की जाए बहुत भक्त वृंद की जाए बहुत प्रेमानंद evening everyone welcome so tonight um and during my stay here in north carolina a few days i'm going to speak a little bit from bhagavad gita i'm going to speak from the ninth chapter of the gita the ninth chapter is a very important verse a chapter i should say and um Of course it comes in the middle of the book consisting of 18 chapters as it does and I think Vishwanath Chakravarti perhaps made the comment that uh, that uh, just like one will hide one's wealth in the center of the book then um, so the treasure hidden treasure of the Gita is found in the middle the ninth chapter so the whole of the text really what it's all about is uh, found here and uh, that is built up to and reflected back on throughout the rest of the text that which comes before and that which comes after and of course it's repeated again with emphasis <coughs> in the uh, end of the gita in the 18th chapter so it's an important chapter it, it uh, comes in the middle six chapters from 6 to 12 which are the where the theology of the gita is brought out previous to that we have some slight um krishna takes a slight tangent towards the theology of the text in the fourth chapter when he discusses the avatar tattva with arjuna but only briefly other than that the first six chapters of the gita largely deal with with tvam uh, tatvamasi with you with us with what we are but the full picture of what we are of course is not understood without the revelation of the of tat you are that upanishad said may also be rendered in more correctly so actually more appropriately so maybe in old english thou art thine or you are his that is him and the one we are the many us who want to him so what i want to say is that with regard to knowledge of ourselves us the full picture cannot be understood without knowledge and understanding of him to whom we belong so in our school godi school bhakti school godi school in particular then self knowledge is is relational if you will we wrote a book well i helped to uh author a, a small booklet i should say called oh my friend you might have seen it it was authored by my god brother brudas which is about uh a collection of um things primarily that prophet said about himself and about in particular his inner life to his students to others ways in which uh, hints about his inner preoccupation if you will that uh, that inevitably came out if one has such an inner preoccupation then certainly it will come out even if you try to hide it and those who really want to know will look very carefully and find some hints here and there so 
and that's what the book's about. It's a nice, nice booklet, and it it primarily seeks, with regard to any authority about that matter, to reference Srila Prabhupada himself, what he said about the prayers that he gave us to sing, what he said to his disciples about himself, and and um, private poems that he wrote when he thought no one would be looking, reflecting on his uh, his aspiration in, uh, in, and spiritual ideal and so forth. So we, we, we thought that, because there is some talk about this kind of thing out and about, well, let's go to Prabhupada and see what he said primarily. So anyway, that's what the booklet was about. And uh, someone questioned the booklet because in, in, in the for, foreword, which I wrote, I mentioned that um, it's apparent from this that hints have been given and they've been collected here in one place for everyone to take advantage of, just like you might collect quotes about Prabhupada, about the Harinam, what he says about Harinam, and there's a book called Harinam Amrita or something, or some Nam Amrita, and then there's a book about the guru and the disciple, and then so we collected this kind of information to make a book. Um, since everyone's fond of you know everything that Prabhupada said and keeping it intact and so forth and making it available, so that was kind of the spirit behind it, among other things, but... Um, at any rate, in my forward, I mentioned that this is important. This kind of information is important because, after all, knowing ourselves, and I'm speaking to Prabhupada's disciples primarily here, uh, in this forward, knowing ourselves um, really requires knowing our guru also in, in, in every respect. If we are to know ourselves internally, well, we have to know him internally as well because why? I didn't make the point there, but the point I'm making here is that the knowledge, self-knowledge is... Relational, in other words, we—it's—it's it's in the context of a relationship. We're related to him, Bhagawan, and we're related to him through Guru Parampara and thereby through our Guru. And if we have, as it's often told, an eternal relationship with our Guru, then we must know who he is in eternity at some point—not a—not uh, in an artificial way, and we can jump there. But if he's left any hints in what direction to look, then. That's very gracious and kind of him. So <laughs> the task isn't over. It's not an intellectual exercise or just gathering of some information, and therefore we stress therein that <coughs> through sharanagati, hmm, self-surrender, uh, that he so much exemplified his own persona, emptying himself out of any other concern but the fulfillment of his Gurudev's order and so forth, which which really wasn't an order in a sense. Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsati Thakur wrote to him when he asked at one point if he had any any service he could do, and, and Sarsati Thakur replied that, well, if you, it would be good if you spoke in English, tried to preach in English. So if you read the letter, or at least as Prabhupada relates it even, it seems like a suggestion. We get so many orders from our guru, uh, perhaps, or he tells us directly what to do, or in Prabhupada's books, he's given us so many directives, and he got one letter that was a suggestion, and he took it like his, like an order. Hmm. He used to tell us that, well, my all my success, all my, uh, whatever credit I may have, uh, whatever ability, and it's all because I try to strictly follow the orders of my guru, which is a very interesting concept, how to strictly follow. It doesn't mean like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, just repeat. That might be good in the beginning, but we have to follow by understanding the Vani of the Vani. 
Vani means words, instructions. So what is the meaning, the inner meaning of those? So this was, of course, characteristic of Prabhupada. He rendered this one-mindedness and devotion. What are we saying every morning? Urvastakam yasya prashadat bhagavat prashado yasya prashadat kutopi. No, he's saying to be fixed in bhakti means guru bhakti, guru nishta. To, 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 to take the instructions of the guru as one's life and soul and, and realize them, re-explain them. And, and uh, there, there's a whole life within that. So he, he exemplified this, he showed this example, this kind of uh, guru nishta, guru bhakti. And that kind of sharanagati, that kind of surrender. Sharanagati is, of course, very much relative to sadhana bhakti. Shraddha, faith, and sharanagati. And only to the extent that that is in place where we have the, be standing on the, on a suitable stage, so, so to speak, will our life be on the stage that's suitable for the, for the drama of Krishna bhakti to appear, Krishna leela to appear. That must be in place. So we emphasized that. But anyway, a fellow commented and said, this sounds like some kind of Babaji thing. He's saying here, you know, that you have to know Prabhupada's inner life in order to, to, uh, to know yourself. And this is some kind of a deviation from what Prabhupada himself taught and, and so on. So, uh, of course, he's wrong about that. And the, the point I'm making is that the, the knowledge of ourself, our self-knowledge is... We call it sambandagyan, so it means it's in the context of a relationship. We are what we are largely as a result of our association, that which we're related to. That's why we are very much, when associated with matter, very much like matter. And we forget about what matters, and, and, uh, and we become atrophied practically um, in terms of the, the, the real the full potential of our living cells. We have said before, like when we arise through evolution of consciousness to human life, we feel like we could do anything. We feel like we could fly in the sky and as high as the birds or higher, and uh, we feel like we could plumb the depths of the ocean and so forth because we're starting to feel what we are, that we have abilities, to, that we exist beyond the confines of matter. Of course, we go about it by, in ways that are counterproductive often, but that's what's happening. The soul has come to human life and it's starting to feel itself. It's somewhat released in human life from the grips of material nature. It doesn't, it can say, please, and thank you, and you first, and these type of things. It can do things voluntarily rather than just being driven entirely by the, by the force of the senses to eat to sleep, to mate, and defend, and so forth. So it's starting to feel itself, its freedom, its ability, its, which is, it can, it's arbhata, it can exist anywhere. It can exist in any space. We, in the, in the, we've done it in the air, under the water, and so forth. And now you can go beyond all of that by, by good association. And so we're made largely of association. This is an interesting point, really, with regard to bhakti, because bhakti is not a right, Bhakti is a gift. Very important point. As a jiva, we are a particle of chit. 
tiny particle of knowing and a, and sat and a tiny, tiny, tiny particle of ananda. Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, up to Brahmananda, up to Brahmagyan. But where is Brahmananda and where is Brahmagyan? It is far, far from where you can go by Harikatha. Mahabhava himself made the statement that Shrotam api Upanishadam dure Harikatha The statements of the Upanishads that largely focus on the very basic idea of spiritual life, Tattvamasi, not taken in a devotional, theological context, but a philosophical kind of Gyan context. You are that. You are Brahman. If there's anything in the world that most resembles Brahman, it is you. Because you're alive, your consciousness, everything else is matter and inanimate. And Brahman is alive. So you are that. It's a beginning teaching, so to speak, when we translate it or render it like that. But Mahabharata said these type of dictums of the Upanishads rendered like this, Dure Harikatamrita, they're very far. They leave you very far from where you could arrive by Harikata, the Amrit of Harikata. means, then he goes on to say, like, Gaurangabulete Chave Pulakashari, Hari Hari Bulete Nayone Bhavanir, these type of things. All these Astasatpikubikar, transformations of ecstasy and uh, that, 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 that the Leela is constituted of. It's a whole world of ecstasy. How do you describe it? Well, it's Anubhavs and uh, uh, and, and Vibhav and Satvikabhav and Stayibhav and uh, and so forth. This is the language that Rupa Goswami has invoked to describe the world of ecstasy, world of Bhava, spiritual emotion, world of Prema. And so, to arrive there is a gift. In other words, if we are to clear off that which is presently covering us, the ignorance of, as a result of material association, if it was possible, I should say, to clear it off by some means independent of bhakti, and according, according to the uh, uh, scripture and bhakti siddhanta, it's not possible. Krishna himself says it in the Gita in another place earlier on. What does he say? He says... This Maya, Mama Maya, Duratyaya. Mama Maya, Durate, Mami Vee Prapadyante, Maya Mesam, Tarantite. If you want Taranti, if you want to cross over Maya, it is not possible. But if, if by surrender to me, then it becomes possible. By my, by my grace, it becomes possible. So to clear that, and there are many, many such statements throughout Bhagavad Gita and so forth, that Becoming free from the negative influence of material association, karma, is not possible without bhakti. But if it were, where would we, where would we, we be left? It is possible by some trace of a bhakti, satviki bhakti, not shuddha bhakti, pure bhakti, but satviki bhakti. In other words, bhakti is generous. Those who want brahmagyan only and brahmananda, and they, they seek it by petitioning Bhakti Devi. She manifests in a form we call Satpiki Bhakti, in the mode of goodness, because goodness gives knowledge. As the Gita explains, Satpa gives, gives knowledge, Gyan. So she manifests in Bhakti, as ninth chapter is going to explain, is, is a kind of knowledge. 
very special kind of knowledge. So a sattviki form of bhakti appears for such jnanis and gives them the mukti they want. It gives them brahmagyan, brahmananda. It clears, that means to say, the negative influence of karma, the repercussions, the, 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 the ignorance of material association. And we become free in so many respects. But arriving at that position is Dure Harikatamita. Mahaprabhu said, very far from where you can arrive at, Vashuddha Bhakti, which is constitute, constituted of Harikatamrita, Shavanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Smaranam, all these things, hearing and chanting about Krishna. This means that by such cultivation of Shuddha Bhakti through connection with Guru Parampara, one can get ingress of of Shuddha Sattva, of Shuddha Sattva Visheshatma, Prema Suyangshu Samyabhak. That means you can come to Ladini, not Brahmananda. Ladini is Ananda, but it is not like Brahmananda. The Ananda in Brahman is making Bhagwan still. How much Ananda is there? How happy are you if you were sitting still only? You may not be unhappy. But how, <laughs> but how happy are you? And Ladini, that's making Brahman dance. And not only dance, but chase after that, that personification of dancing and become a student. Kaviraj Krishna has, has Krishna becoming the student of Radha's dancing. Through the pen of Krishna Das, he says, Brajandaran says, Ami Shisha, Guru Natta. I am the disciple, and your dancing, Guru Natta, is my Guru. We see this in Rathayatra. Jagannath, that's why his eyes are so big. And Mahaprabhu was dancing in the Bhava of Radha. And Jagannath has he's become alive. His eyes are big because he's looking for that everywhere in this world, <laughs> having heard about it in Dwarka, he becomes so transformed. But when he actually saw it, the bhava of Radha, the dancing of Radha, there's my teacher over there. Pull that chariot after her. This is where I'm, I'm running and I'm drawn naturally. So the amount of ananda, then, in Brahmananda, well, this is a very, very, very small thing. It doesn't make Brahman dance. Doesn't bring him to life. Paramatma, Samananda is there. Paramatma, he says, what Lokavatu lila kaivalyam. This is this this is his joy. The world will think that's not a lot of Ananda. <laughs> it's called Shishti lila, Shishti lila, lila of Paramatma, manifesting the world. And the world means what? material ingredients and jivas, a certain kind of jiva, the combination, that is the world. Certain kind of jivas then, Brahmasamita says, the source of jivas in relation to the world, the Paramatma, Mahavishnu. Chaitanya Charitamrita says the same thing. Sankarshan is the Mahasankarshan of Bhaikuntha is the reservoir of the Jiva Tattva. He manifests a kind of jiva in, in Bhakuntha, and Baldev, his source, a kind of jiva in Goloka, in their incarnation. He also has jiva shakti 
that he manifests, and that in relation to the to the jagat, to the world of our present experience. So that's called Srishtilil. So the kind of Ananda. He does it out of joy. The one, Eko, Bahu, Sham. The one becomes Bahu, becomes Eko, Bahu, Sham, becomes many. Krishna says in, in Gita, same, Tasam, Brahma, Mahadyoni, Ram, Bija, Pratapita. That glancing makes the world go round. He had a joyful idea in mind, but there was problems in relation to to matter. So then he incarnates. So many avatars come to remedy the situation and retrieve the jivas, let them meet their maker and so forth. But my point being, Srishti Lila doesn't compare to Krishna Lila as far as Ananda goes. It certainly, well, to speak of the Srishti Lila, Krishna says in Chaitanya Charitamrita that, that even the mighty bhakti puts me to sleep. You see, that's the whole idea. Krishna doesn't sleep. This is the whole point. If you look at the different manifestations of Bhagavan, you see they're more or less active. We're talking about Brahman, Paramat, and Bhagavan in general. And we go within Bhagavan, and we look at the different avatars and so forth. Look at Narayan, we look at the manifestation of Hiranyagarbha in Brahmalok, what he does there. He just basically sleeps and eats. <laughs> you know, it's kind of big you know, Om and the big fires offered. and Okay, I eat something. Okay, I go to sleep. Like Mahavishnu, he's sleeping most of the time. And so if you go through these different manifestations of Bhagwan, we find Krishna is very active, right? He doesn't go to sleep at night. <laughs> he stays up all night even, hmm? running with the gopis secretly. He's, he's very much there for his devotees. He's very, the kind of devotion that they have, empowered by Ladini Shakti, is making Bhagwan very accessible. He can't even sleep. <laughs> the bhakti is, is giving him time to sleep. He's so much bent on attending, tending to them, to their necessity, which has become his necessity. So, so much ananda is there. And in Brahman, so little is there. And what kind of uh, existence is there? In material life, we have a kind of existence that looks like it's threatened with non-existence. Our existence looks like it's threatened. We may not exist at some point. So it's a rather, is, do we exist? Will we exist? If we, get, if we do, we better, we better struggle and think, think somehow, freeze our cells or something. Have someone clone us. Well, somehow to stay alive. So there's some sense of existence, but it's, it's, uh, it's a threatened existence. In, if we knew the extent to which we exist, then there would be no fear. In Brahman, we can be rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> no movement, but no one's after you either. Your karma is no longer chasing you there. You can rest peacefully. But that's a kind of existence. That's a pure kind of existence. That's a pure kind. Of, so we call it sattva also, in the sense meaning existence. Here we have in the material world, Misha Sattva, mixed existence, existence mixed with matter. So it looks like it's threatened. Because all forms, material manifestations are, they have the life span. They will come and they will go. Misha Sattva, and then Sattva, pure existence in Brahman. And then we have Vishuddha. We have Shuddha Sattva, we should say Sattva, and Shuddha Sattva, and Vishuddha Sattva. Vishuddha means very special kind of existence. We call this also Sandini Shakti, 
What kind of world can Balram make? Sandini Shakti, the full expression of existence, manifesting the, 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 the Dham, Goloka. A very special kind of ecstasy, Ladini, a very special kind of existence, and a very special kind of knowledge. Sandini, Samvit, Ladini. Samvit means knowing, and it's a kind of, the knowing is relational, or it's a, there's a context to it. Knowing oneself in relation to him. And this existence, this knowing, and this ecstasy that moves and animates Bhagwan, that is a gift. That is a gift. That's not our right. If we were to remove all the ignorance, we would be left, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, with Brahmagyan, Brahmananda, an enduring existence, knowledge of Brahman, and all of the happiness of Brahman. The bhakti, therefore, is, is, as I say, it's a gift, it's a grant, it's a special thing. It comes, it comes, and there are terms by which it will feel, in, it, it, it will express itself uh, to us. So the knowledge of self in bhakti, it's uh, relational, as I say. So we will know ourself fully in relation to Bhagwan. This is called Samvit. And re- with regard to our Guru, then we will we have a eternal relationship. So knowing ourself, if we have eternal relationship with someone, it means in relation to to that person. So it was an important point that Philip didn't quite maybe un- understand what was being said there. This is not some foreign idea. That's not part of Bodhya. Sampradai or the line of Bhakti Siddhanta or anything like that. After all, I mean, think about it. <laughs> what do you want to know more than that? What about the inner life of your guru? I mean, this is the most interesting thing to us that we could, you know, this is the goal, this is the ideal. So we'll go about it in a proper way, of course, through Sharanagati, through Shraddha. And so this is the kind of knowledge that we find in the middle six chapters of the Gita. It's a knowledge of that with whom we have, by having a relationship, we will know the full potential of ourself. So the beginning six chapters are about us, but not entirely about us. It's about Tom, you, but after all, you are that. So you've got to know about that too. And you got to, or him, hmm? or his, you are his, you belong to him, thou art thine. Then as the full sense then of self, self-knowing is arrived at, but it's important, of course, to separate the two as they have been in the Gita between the first six chapters and the second six chapters. Because if we just jump into the first, in the middle six, then we may forget about all that stuff that has to be removed and what we are, independent of matter and so forth, and how we're not, um, uh, we're the experiencer and not that which is experienced as is matter in relation to ourself and so on. So very nicely, you know, he's spoken to Arjuna here, and he comes here, in his, as I say, in these middle chapters with the theology. It's all about him now. And it's all about him, and here in the ninth chapter, it's particularly about him. And so he makes a statement at the very onset of the chapter that's, that's important for us. He says, he says, Idam tute guyatamam prabaksham hi anasuyave. Gyanam, Bhigyanam, Sahitam, Yajnatva, Mukshashe, Ashubhat. One of the things here important 
that he says. We're, we're going to talk now about. He's going to. He's talking. Speaking of the, the theology. So he's speaking about himself. So important thing he says. I'm going to talk about myself basically, and that's just not for everybody. Why? Because if you just talk about yourself, <laughs> not everybody. Everything. Well, that guy's a little self. You know, a little conceited, isn't he? He only talks about himself. He's full of himself, and or it, or whatever. Hmm? But uh, it's off-putting. It tends to be off-putting. Krishna knows that. He's wise. So he says, if I just sit around and talk about myself, some people are going to complain. So I don't do that around just anybody and everybody. He says, no. He says, uh, and this topic about me is very confidential. This is it's guyatamam. It's, it's hidden, it's secret. Guyatamam. It's the most secret thing. I don't tell this to just anybody, he says. I can't. Because why? They'll be envious of me. They'll think, who's he to sit up there and say all those things about himself? I'm this, I'm that. Everything's in me. Nothing's in me. See me. Don't see me. <laughs> Look at my magical power and all these things that come in this chapter and so forth. Oh, you can worship the gods and go to them, but me, oh, that's different. Uh, I'm, a, I'm in a category of my own. All these things about himself. <laughs> so he's very practical. He says, I can't just say this to anybody and everybody. And Arjuna has been taken you know, on a course here of, of qualification. He's, he's being used by by Krishna to demonstrate the, uh, the fact that that according to our eligibility then knowledge will be available and revealed to us and there's a certain eligibility for bhakti so because here right in the center of the Gita he's going to talk about the essence of the text he has to talk about the qualification for treading the path of bhakti now what is it what is the qualification for treading the path of bhakti and hearing all these things I mean, it's all about hearing and chanting about him. If you're going to hear about him, you're going to chant about him, well, uh, there's something you can't be of him. You can't be envious of him. Idam tute he says. I said, he reflects on this chapter again at the end, reiterates, we know at the end of the chapter he says manmanabhavambhakto, and he reiterates this, reiterates this at the end of the Gita in the 18th chapter, manmanabhavambhakto. Here in the beginning of the ninth chapter he's saying, Prabhakshami Anasuyave, I'm going to speak to you because you are Anasuyave. You have no envy. At the end he says to, also to Arjuna what? Shradhavan Anasuyascha. He says, the person who can Read the Gita, it has to be Shraddhavan, full of faith and Anasuya, Anasuyascha, without any envy. Envy is the most unbecoming thing in general. And for devotees, it's most, most unbecoming. Bhagavad tells us the same thing, doesn't it? At the onset of the text, it tells us who, who can understand this book, who has eligibility to enter into the secrets of this book. Dharma, Pujita, Kaitavutra paramo nirmatsaranam satam nirmatsar satam satam also means devotee it means truthful if you're truthful then you see you really got nothing to be envious about 
or you, or you see that I have some envy in me and I should get rid of it, something like that. But uh, No, it says, for those who are non-envious, then they can take advantage. Adhikar, eligibility for bhakti, is shraddha. But this is a negative way of speaking about it also. Who believes in me, who has faith in me, who can be happy hearing me say, I am this, I am that, I am everything. Everything belongs to me, nothing belongs to you. Who will relish that? <laughs> hmm? who, who has faith in me, what I'm saying, not envious of me. That person can live a life of hearing and chanting. So you find this throughout the sacred texts that, that there will be a, the qualification is spoken. In all the bhakti texts, you'll find the same qualification. In the Gopaltapani, for example, the Gaudiya Upanishad and uh, Bhagavatam, I've cited the example in Bhagavatam and so forth. Yeah, here it is in the Gita. Krishna speaking directly about bhakti and he speaks about the qualification. What's the qualification for treading the path of bhakti? It's not that you have to be morally fit in this way, that way, and another way. It's not that at all. I want to give you some advice. Let me speak strongly, but I'm just advising you. Don't try to, try to learn not to look at bhakti through the lens of morality. And this is very much brought out in this chapter about bhakti. But look at morality through the lens of bhakti. They're two different things. They're not entirely separate. Religion and spirituality, dharma jignasu, inquiry about religion, and brahma jignasu, inquiry about brahman, rasa jignasu, inquiry about way inside brahman. These things are related. They're related, but different at the same time. We find in this chapter that Krishna is prepared to give himself to anyone who has faith in him. He says, even he says later on, whatever you do, whatever you eat, it means even if you don't, even if you eat meat, he says. He said, whatever you eat, what does he say that verse? How's that going? Yat karoshi, yat ashnasi, jajuroshi. He says, try to understand the meaning, even if you eat meat. You understand? Anything, he said, whatever you eat, whatever you eat, even if it's unedible, from my point of view, whatever you eat, Whatever you do. Like, I was a famous class of Prabhupada. I remember when I was there in Los Angeles, New Dwarka, when he gave it, he said, he was citing the Gita. He said, uh, this earlier, seventh chapter, what is that verse? Rasoham apso kumteya. I am the taste in water. So Prabhupada said, simply have to remember this verse. I am the taste in water. And the man is drinking the wine, and he's saying, Krishna is the taste in wine, and he will become Krishna conscious something like that. So this bhakti is very, very generous. We want to make it less generous because we're not that generous. Except with ourselves, of course. There we're very generous. Hmm? But we should be generous with others, Mahaprabhu said. Amanina. Manadena. Amanina. Generous with others, manadena. Not generous with myself. Of course, we don't want to become what do you call it? Dysfunctional. Yeah, or you know, get some kind of a psychosis or something of guilt and whatnot. But 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 uh, I don't mean like that. Thoughtfully, generous, bhakti very generous. 
Yeah, so if you eat meat, I won't eat it, but offer it to me anyway. And in the act of offering, then, in some way I will come to you. And those things will go away. All those things, those are small things. All our material attachments, and all, these are the small things. What's the big thing, therefore? What's emphasized that we should avoid more than anything else? This is also an important point. Material desires, material attachments, these are sins, if you will, of the flesh. But they are sins of the soul. That is another thing, isn't it? Against bhakti, aparad. Some people say against radha, who is ladini shakti, the personification of devotion. Against this, to go against that, to go against the, such a generous thing, now that is a problem. That's the sin of the soul. That that will be marked by that. Then we have that we have to wear off. That will may take a long time. Therefore, there's so much emphasis. This should be avoided. This should be avoided. This should be avoided. Yes, other things should be avoided too. But how we will avoid them most by, by, by bhakti. And you will not be able to avoid them without bhakti, without getting proud. If you do, then you'll be nowhere. So you may be a staunch moralist. So what? <laughs> Dharma and being qualified morally has nothing to do with being qualified for bhakti because bhakti is a, is a gift, as I mentioned. It may be generally bestowed upon the religious. The devotees who are the bestowers will generally seek out those who are more pious. They don't try to go to the impious people necessarily. Of course, Nityananda Prabhu did to make to establish the glory of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But we tend to try to find nice people to speak to, not like your neighbor. <laughs> He's got a, quite a neighbor down there. <laughs> Patriotic fellow, too. But... Um, so, in that sense, but in and of itself, being dharmic in, a, in moral, the, the, the example is there in Chaitanya Bhagavad, right? He wanted to enter into the kirtan of Mahabharata at Sri Basangam, but he was not allowed. He was barred at the door. And what did he say? But I drink only milk. That's a pure life. Think about it. Drink only milk. I don't even take the fruits that drop from the trees. But the milk extra left over from the calf, that's how I maintain myself. But she can't drink, that's what I drink. I only eat milk. My life is pure. Mahaprabhu said, Who gives a damn? <laughs> so go drink your milk, yeah. That's what you get. You don't get bhakti for that. No. And bhakti will make you bhakti will make you moral. Bhakti has the power to do that in a way that uh, that will not harden your heart because you know the means by which I'm becoming qualified, by which I'm becoming dharmasya, religious, is the, is the helping hand of Bhagwan, by his grace. And he was proud. He became morally strong, stout, on his own. He had no place for entering the kirtan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So the qualification for bhakti is shraddha. And means, conversely, to speak about it in a the opposite way, without any envy. A liking, some liking for Krishna. If you don't like him, how you, how you can sit and hear him? He's just talking about himself. He's going on and on and on. He's a very self-centered person. A fellow <laughs> said, said to me, one of my students, and, then, and maybe they reported it to me, made a challenge that, because uh, a Christian person said, 
our God Christ is is the personification of sacrifice, and your God is the personification of en- of enjoyment and licentiousness and uh, and debauchery. And it should be clear, just contrasting the two, which is who's the real God and who's 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 the false God. And so they asked me what how I would have replied, and I said that Christ exemplifies to some extent the sacrificing that is the means. Means is the sacrificing. The means to attain is through sacrifice. But he's sacrificing for somebody. Otherwise, where's the, where's, if you're giving up the fruit, it's got to go somewhere. So there has to be an enjoying end of the sacrifice. That is our God. Krishna is the enjoying end. And your, your manifestation of divinity, the one that you're attached to, is personifying, to some extent, the sacrificing side. Of course, I went on to say, but our God, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, was sacrificing more. What? Did he get nailed on the cross? No. He gave up Vishnu Priya. And if you know what is Prem, you know that this measure of our love and all the Nadia inhabitants practically, his mother. If you understand what that is, giving that up for us, you think, my God, I'm embarrassed. I have to. I mean, you know, Mel Gibson tried to embarrass everybody into Christianity that, that the story of Vishnu Priya should be told. <laughs> <laughs> Mahaprabhu, hometown boy, and everyone loved him, and he left them for us. Maya Amrigam, to the, those who are bewildered by Maya, Bhagavatam says about him that we have the sacrificing and the enjoying in both, two in one. But the enjoying side, Krishna, he's the center. And of course, because he is really, truly the center, when he enjoys, when the fruits are given to him, then we are all nourished by that. We are all happy by that. Like the stomach is the center of the body, so it distributes food in a way that no other part of the body can, and thereby nourishes the whole body. So there has to be a center, a true center. If there's to be sacrifice, there has to be an enjoyer. And so it's clear. Christ, to a, some extent, we could say to a large extent, personifies the sacrificing aspect of God. And there's no one that can compare to Krishna when it comes to exemplifying the enjoying end of the, <laughs> of the spectrum, on the other end. He is <laughs> the supreme enjoyer. So he's depicted as such, experienced as such by the mystics, dancing, with anybody's wives, he sees fit, eating as much as he likes, and doing you know, just a totally spoiled <laughs> mother. You know, loved the child too much. You know, he's become, he's got a, some issues. He has to work out. Krishna, this is you know, it really is the perfect, most complete, at least what's available to us depiction of the enjoying end of the sacrifice that we are to engage in to attain, to grow in life and to exercise, express ourselves in terms of love. I said earlier, the human life gives us a chance to do things voluntarily, so the full end of that is to, is, is, is to sacrifice for the center and to love and to go beyond humanity and so forth. So Krishna, speaking about himself here, and he wants to say, this is how, if you... If you're not envious of me, 
and you fill with faith, the implication is also, then you can, in my words, then, it, because if you don't have faith in his words, then who is this guy? Says he's this, that, and the other thing. And, and people have this experience. One of my students, some of you know her, Hari Bhakti, she's a yoga teacher in Portland. And, and so, among other things, she gives a Gita class to her yoga students, and they, 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 go, well, they go home and they read different Bhagavad Gitas, and then they meet once a week, and they, they talk about them and so forth. So they got to the center, they got to theology, and all of a sudden Krishna starts talking about me, 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 me. And some of them said, you know, who is this guy? It made me a little uncomfortable. You know, me, the guy's just talking about himself. So it's a practical point. Krishna's very pragmatic here, he says. Because you're not envious, all these secrets I'm going to speak to you. At the end of the Gita, as I said, he says it again. Those who are full of faith... And non-envious, they can enter into the secrets of this uh, this treatise, this text. So envy is very unbecoming in general. You know, the Prabhupada used to define it as the inability to tolerate the um, the ab- abilities of others, rather than to to relish them, to and take advantage of them, to acknowledge them. So. And if and for devotees, then especially unbecoming. So very unbecoming envy. The devotees are are, are warned about this. It's it's uh, something we should um, be aware of. And Arjuna is not envious. So suddenly it's being discussed. He has now eligibility. Krishna is saying you have eligibility for bhakti. Before he was telling him, no, you don't have eligibility. You don't have. He's taken him on a course here. Whereby theoretically, of course he's Arjun, but theoretically, this this has been worked out. Now he he's gotten to the point where he, he's talked about so many things. He's talked about yoga in the previous chapters. He said that all the yogis that want to worship me is the best, and we enter into this middle section. Then he talks about gyan bhagyan. These words are used here, but they're used a little differently in the beginning of the seventh chapter. Knowledge of my opulence, knowledge of my sweetness, began. Special knowledge is going to be discussed. Arjuna's gone through this. He's been told, you know, Krishna says, out of millions of people, very few are interested in the truth. Those interested in the truth, very few understand truth. About those in the truth, very very few know me as Shamsundar. I'm rare to know me. It's very, it's very rare. Are you in for that? Arjuna's hanging on there. Yeah, I'm going for that. And so he takes him through, and in the eighth chapter, he takes him through, through yoga and so forth, and another way, yoga mixed with bhakti and so forth. And oh, he comes here. Now we're going to talk about full bhakti, pure bhakti. This is what really my speech is all about here, and you're actually qualified to hear it, Arjun. We'll reflect back in the other chapters on that metaphysical knowledge and so forth. That's an underlying ground out of which this bhakti will arise. And furthermore, he says. I want to talk about it in this chapter in a special way. So it says, Idam tu te guyatamam parakshami anasuyave. Gyanam bigyanam sahitam. Gyan bigyan. So I'm going to give knowledge and special knowledge. Or I'm going to give knowledge and I'm going to talk about realization of that knowledge. Bigyan also generally means, well, bigyan, special kind of knowledge. The difference between knowing and uh, wisdom, let's say. Intellectual knowing, theoretical knowing, and actual knowing. 
But here, when he says Gyan and Bigyan, it means Bhakti. The title of the chapter is Rajguya Yoga. So it's Raj Yoga. People think of it like that. Raj Yoga. They leave out the Guya. Yeah. The secret, so anyway, the secret, uh, the king of secrets. And so, because Krishna says, the king of secrets, I'm, I'm going to speak this knowledge, I think that the book, the chapter is about knowledge. But it's, Bhakti is a kind of knowledge also. Because by knowledge, you attain things. By bhakti, you attain something also. It's a kind of knowledge. But it's not the kind of knowledge by which we attain freedom from ignorance only. This is a, this is, this kind of knowledge is a grant, as I said. It's a gift. It comes to us through Guru Parampara. It comes to us, the opportunity for bhakti, special kind of knowledge. It's bhakti. He says in the next, the first three verses of this chapter are all about this kind of knowledge. He says it's dharmasya. In the second verse, rajaguyam, rajavidya, pavitram, idam, utamam, pratyakshavagamam, dharmam, susukam, kartamavim, shradhana puri. In the third verse, he says, people who don't have faith, he comes back at the adhikar, they, 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 they don't understand. This kind of dharma, he said. So dharma is also, dhyan means what? No activity. Knowledge means no activity. You understand the point, right? Ignorance means activity. And dharma, me- dharma means activity, religious activity. Ignorance means activity in relation to things that aren't enduring when I'm in pursuit of enduring life, enduring happiness. So if you have knowledge, you don't move in relation to things that don't endure. In other words, you're detached. You're not chasing after things. Dharma is a way of going after things uh, such that you, you, in a kind of an appropriate way that gradually qualifies you for knowledge. Like yama niyama, out of which the yogic experience will arise. You know, things should do, things you shouldn't do. This is dharma, so it's a kind of a, it's a kind of an activity. So this bhakti has been described as dharmasya. It's super dharma, but it means it's active, and it's abhyayam, he says also. The knowledge I'm going to give you is eternal. The knowledge that leads to Brahman realization is not eternal. It's of the sattva guna. That's why knowledge is, is, is a means in Gyanmarg, and it's left behind. The knower, the known, and knowledge all dissolving into one. So this, this kind of knowledge here, it must be bhakti, because it's dharmic, which implies that it has some act some movement to it. There's something to do. Dharma, something to do. A duty, right? In Gyan, there's no duty. Gyan means you've risen above duty, responsibility. So you've got nothing to do. You've got the day off. But that can be boring. That's the point of bhakti. You've got nothing to do. You don't have any obligations anymore. So you can sit peacefully and relish the peace of not having anything to do, which was troublesome, but... There's more to life than that. That's the idea. So he's described this knowledge in, his, in, in, in later two verses here in the introductory section of, of the chapter, the first three verses. It's as abhyayam. It's it's enduring. It's eternal. The knowledge that leads to gyan. This can't be that. That's not what he's talking about here because that's not eternal. That's retired. And and that kind of knowledge retires dharma. So this is dharma sya. It's dharmic. It, it's 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 
super kind of dharma. It looks like a dharma in the case of gopis in, in many respects in the Braj Leela, but it's the super, super religious idea. So, so therefore, Gyan and Bigyan here refers to bhakti. He says, so I'm going to tell you a very secret thing. It's all about me. You're not envious. You have faith in me, so I'm going to reveal this to you. Gyanam Bigyanam Sahitam, together. Knowledge and realization of knowledge. So he's going to talk about knowledge that inspires bhakti also. He's going to talk about Achintya Veda Veda, a metaphysical outlook that that fosters lila, that is Achintya Veda Veda. There may be other metaphysics that foster lila, but this is the metaphysics that fosters the Braj lila. Veda Veda. You don't find it anywhere. Radha and Krishna are one and different, but a Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Krishna is, Radha is Krishna, Krishna is Radha, they're one and they're different. It's all explained nicely in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Krishna is that manifestation of divinity that corresponds with the love of Radha, ultimately. According to your heart, Bhagavan will appear. As they approach me, so I appear accordingly. Right? When he appeared in Basant Rasalila, in the spring Rasalila, described in Jaidev Goswami's Gita Govinda, in four-armed form, and the gopis were looking for him after he left the Rasa dance, they just paid obeisances to Narayan and said, can you tell us where Krishna is? Then Krishna tried to hide himself from Radha by showing four arms. What happened? He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He couldn't manifest the form of Narayan before her. It wasn't possible. Because he is her love. That's what he is. That love corresponds with him. So these two are one and different. And the difference makes for the play, for the drama of it all, the leela, the interaction. But it's based on the oneness. So this Achinta Veda Veda, he explains that in this, this, this chapter. This is how he begins. This is the metaphysical underpinning that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is about, as explained by Jiva Goswami. And we should be acquainted with that. That will inspire bhakti. Understanding that. If you understand it properly, then you, want, then you can understand, oh, that if you make a canvas like this, the art of Krishna Leela will appear on there. This is the ground on which it appears, metaphysical kind of ground and uh, uh, analysis of the nature of being. And uh, it's about it's about the consciousness of consciousness in Jiva Goswami's kind of language. Love. It's a whole. It's very interesting. It's a whole metaphysic about love. It's, it's just what it comes to. It's, it's really quite interesting. The whole reason why there are jivas, why there is a world, and all. From Gaudiya perspective, it's, it's, uh, it's all coming out of this Chinti Beda Beda, and then the Leela of Krishna. So, so it's very important, very interesting, and that's what he he starts to speak about. This the kind of knowledge that will inspire that kind of understanding. Very Gaudiya kind of idea here. This this chapter, this uh, this when he starts to speak, I'm in everything, everything not in me, everything. My what is he? Uh, my sarvamidam no. Uh, Maya tatamidam sarvam. 
He says this, 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 no one can explain this better than Gaudius, Gaudia commentators here. This is exactly what he's talking about here. So this kind of knowledge, this fosters this kind of devotion that he's going to speak about, speaking about here. This is, so this is kind of the knowledge, if you will, the jnanam and big jnanam, the realization. Later on in the chapter, for example, he says, Ananyas chintayantumam yejana paripasate tesham nitibhyuktanam yoga chema bahamiha. This is a realization of the knowledge. Right? Those who do this bhakti, this is the knowledge of the bhakti, do this kind of bhakti, I take care of them. This is what they realize. They realize that, that I'm their provider in all respects. I carry what they lack, I preserve what they have, I'm there for them. I exist for them. I am because of them. Incredible idea. Because of the bhakti in them. Of course, that bhakti is his. He gives it to us. Then <laughs> That's a whole thing. But, uh, so, this is what the chapter is about. Because it's such confidential knowledge, then he qualifies. He's given qualifications earlier also. What Arjuna qualified for this, qualified for that because of... But faith, in a general sense, faith is the qualification for everything. Because if you don't have faith, then how can you take it up? If you have faith in karma mark, then you'll take it up. Because you believe it. If I do this yogi like this, I'll get this, I'll get a good wife, I'll get a daughter or son. You have faith in it, therefore you, 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 you tread it. So he speaks about the qualification, and then he's... And, he, and then he says he says something about the nature of the knowledge, and the knowledge is is bhakti. And he says a final thing here. He says it's secret. He says idam tute, means but means but. I've talked about other things before. We touched on this here and there, a couple of verses. I'm going to give the whole chapter of this basically now. Shuddha bhakti, pure bhakti. It's most confidential. It's for People can't be envious, so they have to be pure-hearted to hear this. And that just means, pure-hearted means, again, pure-hearted means they may have all kinds of material desires. Bhakti is a different idea of pure-heartedness. It includes that, ultimately, free from material desire, no doubt. But not envious. Have faith and like to hear about Krishna. That's pure-hearted. We're more interested in that than someone that's, that's uh, as I say, morally correct. So then, and so in the knowledge, gan began, it is bhakti, and he says something about it. Then ashubat moksha she ashubat. He speaks in a very here rudimentary way, in a sense, about the power of this knowledge. He says moksha she ashubat. Moksha she means free, so you'll be free from ashubha, inauspicious thing. He's talking here about. He's just beginning to talk about bhakti fully, right? So he appropriately, and he says, you have Shraddha, you have, you're not envious, you're qualified. So we'll talk about it. It, ha, it has stages. The implication here is it has stages. Sadhana Bhakti, Bhava Bhakti, Prem Bhakti. This is the implication. Mokshashe Ashubhat. Shuddha Bhakti, Rupa Goswami has explained, has six characteristics. Kleshagni Shubhada. These are the first two. It frees one from inauspiciousness from karma and shubhada it makes one auspicious this all comes in sadhana bhakti 
in the state of nishta, all this is this this influence of karma is is so much uh, diminished. The practical experience of the eradication of all of this uh, inauspiciousness, uh, this uh, suffering, karma. Suffering is what. Suffering is not that, that you, you, you get hungry. Suffering is attachment. That's what it is. You understand? This is the cause of suffering. Suffering is attachment. Attachment perpetuates suffering. When I'm in ignorance and I'm attached to things that won't endure, I move in relation to them and they come after me. <laughs> I'm after them and they come after me. The environment comes back to get some return you've taken and you will be taken from. This is suffering. So, the, so in, in Nishta, this, this detachment is coming. Real detachment. And Kirtaniya Sadahari, in the context of Bhakti. So as this detachment is coming, then this suffering is ending. That's the point. And then, of course, in Ruchi Bhakti, then auspiciousness comes. All especially these, these uh, people start to like you. Why? Because you like them. That's the two aspects, primary aspects of Shubhada, as explained by Rupa Goswami. You like the world, attachment to the world, and the world's attachment to you. It's a funny way to talk about it. But what it means is attachment for the well-being of the world, to want to do good for other people, living to do good for, good for other people. You're living for that. This is Shubhada. His life, her life has become auspicious and because people feel that they feel like I like we like you we are attached to you they become attached to that devotee who lives for the welfare of others you become desirable it is said somebody said it to me the other day what is it something those who give up the what the world wants well, then the world wants them something like that so, of course, when you give up what the world wants, it means that you, you really want what's in the interest of people of the world that they don't understand, and you work for that. Who works for that, then uh, naturally they, they endear themselves to others. So these are qualities of bhakti that come in sadhana, in the stage of sadhana. Belittling of liberation and... Um, and attaining the rarity of bhakti. This is in bhava bhakti. In the second phase, bhava bhakti from sadhana bhakti, spiritual bhakti in practice, to bhakti in ecstasy. Bhakti in ecstasy, we realize two other qualities of bhakti. That, my God, liberation is a small thing compared to this. Because why? The bhava bhakti is liberated. And he sees there's so much more to do. I've got to get to pray. I'm cultivating bhava now. He's free from his his material life is over, but he still not hasn't got a full spiritual life. So he sees liberation as a, such a small thing. He cultivates that bhava, and that bhava is sudulaba. There's a nice comment by Mukunda Goswami in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu on this section. He's a famous commentator from ancient times. He says, and this is he, speaking about Vaidhi Bhakti. The bhava of Vaidhi Bhakti is very, very rare. And the lobha, shraddhamayi lobha, faith filled with eagerness for Braj Bhakti, 
there's a qualification to tread that path, is more rare than the bhava bhakti, avaiti bhakti. And this is what Mahaprabhu came to give. Such a rare thing to foster this in us. We are lucky, we should think. Thank our lucky uh, stars, something like that. And then, then happiness, condensed happiness. This is in Prem and, it, and, and the ability to control Krishna. Wow, that's incredible. To conquer Krishna. This is the quality of, of, of characteristic of bhakti in Prem. So here he's talking about the beginning only things, which are huge things to some. I mean, you know, all his previous chapters, he's talked about all the, much about the problems of material life and attachment and so mm-hmm. forth. And, all these the the the, the 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 suffering that comes from ignorance. He's saying here, this will come. Just sit and hear this now about me. Hear these things about me, and all the auspiciousness will go away. Your life will become auspicious. These are just the characteristics of the beginning of bhakti. What to speak of everything else? So this is what the chapter is about. We're really in the heart here of the Gita and the theology, and in this chapter. Krishna loses, really loses it. He, you know, he, he really, he goes kind of off the deep end. People go, we've got to explain that verse, and how are we going to explain that? He says, my devotees, you know, whatever you eat, even that, you know, how do you explain that? Well, uh, right, he says, uh, just offer me a flower or fruit, a fruit. He's going mad, he said, you know, just anything. Hey, just, hey, uh, hmm? Yeah, and then he comes to that. He says, even my devotee who loves me, even if he's immoral, if he does an abominable thing, don't dare criticize him. <laughs> Moral people, religious people, sober jnanis, and they got to how do you explain these verses of the Gita? It comes through the power of of bhakti. So we should we should be embarrassed by this. It's not an excuse to be lax and be immoral. We should be embarrassed into into being dharmic. In the context of bhakti, and, and or, or see, this is my this is a my first objective. The, in the context of bhakti, I should practice and chant and feel in such a way that I actually become pious. I actually become morally correct. And that's just the beginning. Become morally sound and morally correct. As you come through bhakti to do that, it, your heart doesn't become hard, and you're not judging other people who aren't morally correct by your your standards and so forth, or by any, my, my, you know, the Gita's standards. You have a soft heart. You're generous with other people. So it's not an excuse, I'm not saying, to be immoral, you know. Bhakti will come to you, and we should never take it like that. And who's, who has faith in Krishna and, he, and, and he hears properly, will hear everything. He'll hear, he'll hear that also. You'll, you, you know, when we sit next to a saintly person, and we have that experience that, like next to our guru, we think, boy, we feel all of our, like, shortcomings, but we also feel that we have some prospect as well. Wow, it's, it's encouraging. I could be, I, what, I feel like I'm in touch with everything I could be. Same time, I'm really in touch with everything I'm, I am right now. That's also being pretty clear. The, so these, both, both <coughs> things, proper hearing, Proper association results in a clear understanding of my my future, my prospect, all that I my good fortune, and all the work that I that, that's at, at hand here. 
what, what, what I should be looking for in terms of my growth in the beginning shouldn't be dancing with Krishna. Hmm? It should be chetodarpanam arjunam, cleansing of the heart. You know, I wrote a, I actually gave a class on Ram Nomi and some of the devotees recorded it and they took a section of it and edited it a little bit and sent it out on Ram Nomi to people on our mailing list. I get a lot of questions and I answer them and we send out the answers and so forth to several thousand people, all, mostly all devotees from all different sects here. I mean, Gaudiya Vaishnava devotees. But uh, um, I mentioned there that that uh, Gandhi chanted Ram Nam, the name of Ram at the time of death, but he didn't get the kind of result that you will get if you have chant with someone again, proper understanding, proper knowledge. He chanted like a political Ram Nam, name of Ram. And so some three or four people objected and wrote me, said, How can you say that? You don't know his heart, you know, and he chanted the name of Ram, you know. And so forth. I gave a long explanation to everybody about it and uh, held my ground for the Sampradaya. But uh, in fact, one person said to me, How can you say that when Prabhupada himself has said he, he, he chanted the name of Ram, therefore he must have. He must have um, uh, attained something like that, and so I looked up the conversation, and Prabhupada says he must have attained. He, he, but then he said, "But he's only chanting Namaparat, so all he could attain, he attained what he attained. He was a famous political person. He was famous. He got the attainment. He probably attributed his credit because he chanted the name of Ram throughout his life. And from Namaparat, you can get material benefit. But anyway." I did mention that I don't think that I'm a better man than Gandhi. He's a great person. He was a great person. He had a great, I mean, a great example in many respects, social reform and so forth. But I'm, I said, I'm a, I'm, I feel I'm luckier than Gandhi. I cited the letter that Prabhupada wrote to Gandhi before his death, encouraging him to take to Bhakti and, and so forth. And I feel lucky I, you know, took it. He didn't write me a letter, but no, he did write me some letters, but, <laughs> but um, so I, you know, that, that's, that's, I just bring this up again to emphasize this point: that bhakti is a gift. We're lucky; we're not proud that we've, we've, we've got it. Knowledge, it's you know, it's it's uh, or feeling for this, it's a gift, and, and it should be shared. I had a nice. I was riding on a plane here, and I was sitting next to a Muslim man, who was uh, his wife was a doctor, and uh, they're both American citizens now. And he just started talking to me. And um, we talked about a lot of things. A lot of, he was interested in a lot of the geopolitical, you know, realities of the Islamic world and Western world. He had a big fat book called "What Every American Should Know About the Middle East," written by a, uh, a lady journal, American journalist. You know, gives a whole different perspective than what you get from the news and whatnot, and it looked very interesting. And so he said to me, well, you know, this, is a, this is a really great book. You should really read this book. And so, and, we, and he asked about myself, and I told him about myself and whatnot. We were talking about essential spiritual life and so forth. He was quite interested. In, and um, and in the end, I said, yeah, I should get that book. And, and he said, I want to get some of your books, because I told him I was an author. And he asked for my website and so forth, and email address. And then he gave me the book. His book, he wrote it, and I said, let me give you this book. And because knowledge should be given out, knowledge should be should be shared. I appreciate it a lot. I have the book here, and so it's a fact. Knowledge should be given out. Bhakti should be and, and bhakti. The purport of this chapter is that bhakti is the end of all knowledge. So it should be distributed. It's it's a gift. It's a wealth, and, and we're lucky to be gifted with that. We should 
We could share. We should share that. It will make us dharmic. It will give us knowledge, and more. It will give us itself. She will give us herself, Bhakti Devi. So if we really grow appropriately through bhakti, then you'll be generous with other people. Very important point. So, any question? Yes, sir. If you, uh, if you get, uh, well, in regards to Sudorava, bhakti being Sudorava, then uh, someone might think, you know, if it's that rare, you know, then... You might you might think that well they're just then you know what's being said by saying it's Sudorlaba is saying that you'll never get it you know like someone might feel that in their heart like well they're just saying I'm never going to get it you know like Rupa Goswami so they might be discouraged by that yeah they might they might just think God this is impossible it's a great thing and I want it but how 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 am I going to get kind of fortune. Mm. Well, first of all, you already have it to some extent, because the Sudurlava is speaking about bhava-bhakti, which is the goal of sadhana-bhakti. You don't have that, but you have sadhana-bhakti. You have the means. So one of the senses in which it's Sudurlava means not by yoga, not by jnana, not by any other practice can you get it. Bhakti-asamjataya-bhakti, only by bhakti can you get bhakti. So you have the means to get it. Hmm? That's one way of understanding the idea that it's sudurlab. There are other ways, and I cited one earlier, more conservative kind of way. But once you're kind of locked in, so to speak, means once you have shraddha, then you're, you're kind of stuck. So um, it, it, you've gone after this, you found out it's very, very rare. So you might feel discouraged, perhaps, like you're saying, it's so rare, how will I get it? So then, what will you do? Go do something else? No. So, so <laughs> you can't. You know about it, and you want it, and, it, and it's rare, but, but you may say, well, I feel a little discouraged, but how discouraged are you? Are you going to give up and do something else? You can't do anything else, because now faith in bhakti has been awakened in you, so you don't have faith in anything else. Any other path will make you happy. And that faith is... It's not a, just a belief, it's a knowledge, right? It's a, it's a kind of a knowing. Faith is actually a knowing. Who doesn't have faith doesn't know. <laughs> Doubts. <laughs> so it's a kind of a knowing. So you have a knowing, a sense, a knowing that this is the be-all and end-all. This is, this, only this will make me happy. So you're kind of locked in. And that's the trick. First they say chant and be happy, you know, probably. And then Mahaprabhu said, chant, and then chant be unhappy. And we should just cry. But anyway, so bhava is, is uh, rare, but we shouldn't be discouraged because you are, you, are, you are embracing the only means by which it can be attained. And so you have to embrace sadhana bhakti, and it will be attained. And, uh, and the fact that it's rare... It's also, uh, you know, it's also, the more you become situated in bhakti, the more you can hear about how rare it is, and it will inspire you. The less you're situated, the more it will become maybe a little bit disturbing. You think, well, we tell somebody in the beginning, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to 
ask you to take a path that hardly anyone can become successful on. <laughs> Not so many people are going to want to join, so you don't tell them that part in the beginning. You tell them you're going to become, everybody's going to like you, you're going to become all auspicious, and all suffering is going to go away, and so forth. So the more you're invested, the more you're really on the path. And also, the reason for this, is that I say this, the more that you're on the path, the more it won't bother you that it's rare, the more that will be an inspiration. It's because the more that you're on the path, you find there's solace in being on the path. To be a sadhaka is not to be a siddha, but it's not to be a nityabhadha either. It's not to be a eternally conditioned soul. You're not a perfect soul. You're in a special category. And, uh, and you've got the attention of special people. So it's if you really analyze it, sadhana bhakti is super auspicious. You could wait there, you know, as long as it takes to get bhakti, and you're still in a in an extraordinary position. And of course, the more you apply yourself in terms of sadhana bhakti, the more you realize that. The more you feel, I'm I'm uh, you because the application will what will come with it is understanding of what you're involved in. And the more you understand what you're involved in, the better you feel about it. Like, hey, you know, I'm on the team. I made the cut. I'm not on the field right now. I'm sitting on the bench over here. But I'm at every game, you know, right there on the 50-yard line. I get, you know, I got the uniform, you know. (laughs) I got a number, too, you know. So someday I'll be on the field, something like that, you know. So if a guy makes the team, you know, and then he's, he's going to the Super Bowl. You know, he doesn't play or anything, but he gets to drink champagne after the game if they win. So it's something like that. Sadhana Bhakti. So the more you actually apply yourself in that, the more well you become situated in Sadhana Bhakti, the more you can, it will be nectar to your ears to hear the rarity of it and how high it is and so forth. Because, you know, that's that's where I'm going. Makes everything else look small and insignificant in comparison. And that's my path. Something like that. Be, there's a kind of a pride. Right? I'm proud to be a humble devotee. <laughs> Something like that. I'm proud of Mahaprabhu's teaching. Our Guru Parampara, I'm proud to be a member of this. That's a kind of appropriate pride. So, we'll stop there for now. Jai Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Jai.